Hello and welcome to Flowing Backwards. This is a series two and in series two, which we should name something, shouldn't we? Like, I know, the Moe cover-up. Because Moe is actually telling us all about cover songs that he's done with some little things here and there. So, without further ado, I will tell you to sit back, relax, and think of England. Well, Ian will tell us all about it. So sit back and relax. Greetings, pot pickers. Um, as promised, we're back, even though series one finished and uh, and it all came to a very happy conclusion, um, we, we are going to continue. So we're going to do a few episodes um, about cover versions of songs that I've sung over my 40-year uh, non-career, um, basically. Um, and I'm going to tell you when I sang them, why I sang them, and what I think of the, the originals and things like that. I'm also thinking at the end of this, I might do you, because, because, because the intention is, is that we have guests but until we can, I'm thinking what we might do is some bluffers guides. And I will give you a bluffers guide to uh, folk, for instance, and jazz and uh, prog and things like that. Um, so so that's, that's perhaps in the pipeline. Uh, just because it's tradition, I wasn't sure whether um, we should carry on with the poems. Well, some people like the poems anyway. People tell me they like the poems. So... Um, I'm going to read you a poem to start with, as is the tradition. And uh, this was inspired by uh, the events in the last days of um, of Mr. Trumpton's presidency, um, when, when his lunatic supporters invaded the White House. So here we go. Here's Armageddon, that's a fact. We deal in truth and won't retract. But the date it gets pushed back, falls off the edge of the earth that's flat. Do you be QAnon? Is left right and is right wrong? Are you part of that joyless throng? Or are you going to a fancy dress party? Shapeshifter lizards in control. Total domination is the goal. The vaccine will infect the soul. Ice caps not melting at the poles. Do you be QAnon, a bigot who should be begone? Believe Agent Orange is the golden one, or are you going to a Halloween party? Guns and bombs, as human rights, black lives don't matter as much as white. Fetch a powder keg to ignite, drink moonshine and howl all night. Do you be QAnon? Is all that I believe a con? But your wisdom I can count upon. I'm not going with you to this party. I'm not going with you to this party. I'm not going with this you, with you, with you, with you, with you, with you to the party. Okay, that was, um, that was our poem for the day. So, on to um, the main crux of things. So, um... The first two records that we're going to hear this evening are um, David Bowie's cover of Chuck Berry's Round and Around and 
Eddie Cochran's original self-written summertime blues. And um, those were um, the two songs that I first ever sang in public at uh, the Blackpool Tower Ballroom. I think I've alluded to this before. um, It was at this... um, this talent competition with huge prize money on offer. This is sort of about 1973, and I think the prize money was 200 quid. So that probably translates to about £20,000 now or something. Um, and and so it was full of professionals, and somehow um, I managed to um, squeeze onto the bill, and uh, these besuited musos were trying to play uh, the polite version of rock and roll with too many notes um, and and sort of very tweely played play this horrible um, neutered uh, version of rock and roll that was all the go in the early 70s. And uh, I snarled at them and told them to fucking put some fucking effort into it and uh, turned in a, um, a sort of pre-punk... Uh, performance of uh, dripping aggression and venom which um which had um a tearful teddy boy buying me drinks and telling me that i was uh, gene vincent reincarnate anyway so this is where they're from fabulous records so round and around which was david bowie cut uh, while he was um recording Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars, although it didn't make the cut. So it was used as a B-side. I forget what it was the B-side of. doesn't really matter, does it? You can find it in this digital age. You just go round and round by David Bowie. Summertime Blues by Eddie Cochran. Yeah.
stage appearance um, early in 1973 as a 15-year-old I uh, had a had a band together with um, with two school chums with uh, with Robert um, and with Steve Mardy who was later in uh, the hoax still a very good friend of mine Steve um, and we, we didn't have a name um, Robert lived in this massive big house, or it seemed massive and big at the time. It wasn't, uh, when, when I look back, you know, it's quite big. And it was a nice house, but it wasn't as big as houses that I've been in. But it seemed very big. And we uh, we rehearsed in, in his house in the front room. Um, and all we played was, were cover versions, um, although I did write some songs we never we didn't know where to start and they would have been appalling you know because i didn't have the wit to write about um the things that concerned me i mean i could have written about um what the streets were, were like you know in in that period of uh industrial strife and things which you did notice even even as a schoolboy i could have written about the teachers that i hated that would have been uh made really good material but i didn't have the wit because all the songs that you heard tended to be um sort of love songs you know it was all oh baby yeah 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 you know if you listen to led zeppelin it's either about um elves or or sort of this juvenile um boy girl dreadful approximation of sexiness you know <laughs> robert plant squeezing his uh, lemons and things um so that's what the songs probably would have sounded like if we'd ever done and in mind we didn't i'll tell you some of the songs that we did play that i remember we played get back by the beatles we played summertime blues which we've already uh, listened to one of my very very favorite songs um, and I can't remember what else we played except for the song that I'm going to play you now, which is um, I Can't Explain by The Who. And I thought it was really clever because halfway through, I would morph I Can't Explain by The Who into You Really Got Me by The Kinks. And I thought I was the only person 
who was clever enough to notice that they were essentially the same song. Uh, of course, I wasn't. Um, so um, I think it was the same producer, was it? The Shell Talmy produced them both. I rather think he did. Yes, I rather think he did. Anyway, we used to play a can't explain. And again, it had legs because because later on, when I formed um, a, a proper group called the Hamsters, and um, I mean, we formed the group as non-musicians on a Friday and played our first gig the next day on the Saturday, and and now we'd sort of um, thrown together some songs. That's harsh, and we didn't throw them. We wrote some songs. Um, we we hacked out some cover versions as well, and I can't explain was one of those. We also used to do um, "I Want to Be Your Dog" by the Stooges, but we sang it as "Now I Want to Be Your Hamster." So come on, yeah. Anyway, um, this one is uh, "I Can't Explain" by the Who. <laughs> time that i ever appeared on the stage because the um the the band with no name never did appear on the stage although um we were offered the opportunity because our school friend larry got who was later the guitar player in in james and mike lee who's later in the fall and later in kill pretty with me um who i didn't know was the racist then um, if he turned up now, um, I don't think I'd let him in the house, but uh, at the time he, he didn't air his uh, right-wing views very much. Um, they turned up and, and wanted to amalgamate their talents with ours. 
and turn us into a cabaret band and go and play gigs. But of course, um, if you've listened to this, can you really imagine me playing in a cabaret band? It just wasn't going to happen. And uh, and Stephen and Robert were both all for it. And I do remember giving a very terse and short answer to would I be in a cabaret band? And my reply was, fuck off. Um, so the next time I got on a stage was sort of punkered, sort of happened and I'd known that I should be in a band but I couldn't compromise myself and just join any old band um, it had to be with the right people if I was going to do it um, I wanted to to do it um, in a manner that was honest to me and with people that, um, that I got and who got me um, so it wasn't, I, I didn't just sort of jump in with some, um, you know, narrow trousered, spiky haired fellow with a guitar just for the sake of it. Um, I sort of waited. I was, I was going to um, form a band, it seemed fairly obvious, with, with Stephen, who was Robert's brother, who'd been in the band we'd just been talking about, um, and uh, Bobby. But Bobby was away, he was working in the south of France, he was a, a deckhand on Norman Wisdom's boat, would you believe? Um, anyway, we kept waiting for Bobby, and then Bobby came home, and Stephen uh, ran away from, from his wife and went to uh, live in Newquay for a while. Um, so that left me and Bobby. So anyway, my brother had formed a band called the Frantic Elevators with a singer called Mick who turned into a pop star, turned into Mick Hucknall. Well, he was Mick Hucknall all along. He turned into Red, which was, um, he was never Red before. Anyway, um, they had a band called the Frantic Elevators, and they were playing this gig at the Broomstairs Club where Mick worked waiting tables. And they put together a bill. Uh, I remember they had the, some dreadful punk rock group on. And then they had um, this sort of perm-dead, um, Afghan-coated hippie imitating Neil Young on. Uh, and then me and Bobby got to, got to play. They allowed us to play. And um, we borrowed the Frantic Elevator's rhythm section, which was a fella called Steve Tansley on the drums and Mark Reader later of... Uh, very, very great cultural fame, you know, sort of instrumental in uh, lots of things. He was um, Nick Cave's housemate at, at one point, and uh, he's credited with um, influencing New Order greatly. Um, so anyway, we're at Broomstairs Club, and Bobby and I played a two-song set. One song was this sort of Yoko Ono-influenced um, rippage with me howling, you, 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 um, which was called You. And the other song we played was uh, Sam the Sham and the Pharaoh's Woolly Bully, which, um, if you listen to the uh, the lyrics, are fairly indecipherable. And, uh, and so I just made up the lyrics. I remember. Uh, we, the opening couplets in our version 
which is certainly not Sam the Shams, are I had a cold mama, she's got a crazy song. We know the we know the chords, but the words are wrong, woolly bully. So here's Wooly Bully by Sam the Sham and the Pharaohs. a dry run our um our performance bobby and i's performance was very well received the future pop star mr hucknall came came over and 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 kind of grappled me in a, a friendly embrace and said to me you've got to do it Ian. you've got to form a band you're so great you're so great which of course he was he was right you know um and i should have formed a band not that I was great um but it, it was great, and it did sort of uh, spur us on and infuse us. And then uh, Stephen came home um, with his tail between his legs, returned, and uh, we ended up in a pub, uh, the Victoria on Hyde Road in Gorton, right opposite the gates of uh, Bellevue, sort of funfair palace to the world. Uh, showground of the world was the way it was termed, not... Uh, Anyway, um, we were in the Victoria opposite Bellevue and um, it cropped up. Shall we form a band? It's Friday night. We're drunk about seven or eight pints each. Um, shall we form a band? Da, da, da. Yes. Who's going to do what? 
Bobby, Bobby had got an acoustic guitar and could play a couple of chords. So Bobby was going to be the guitar player. Stephen was too shy, really, to sing, even though he's sort of very outgoing. He had a streak of insecurity. So at that stage, he wasn't going to sing. So um, he was nominated as drummer, although he'd never, ever drummed in his life. And I was the singer. So that was settled. And uh, either Stephen or Bobby said, what are we going to be called? And immediately I said, the hamsters. And they said, why the hamsters? I said, you know, because everybody else seems to call themselves very sort of um, macho, macho, aggressive sort of things. You know, they're all called fear or, you know, um, I don't know, nasty tiger or something or dole scum, something, you know. It, that was the, the kind of name that people called themselves. So I wanted to, to kind of disarm, disarm people and call ourselves the hamsters because we were, you know, they would think that we were uh, essentially cuddly and, and sweet and nice and they would come and try and stroke us and patronise us and then we would show them our teeth and that's pretty much how, how it worked out. And, and so... Um, the next day we convened, uh, oh, oh, no, no, I'm jumping forward. Later that night, we went just up the road from the Victoria to um, a club called the Mayflower. And um, the UK subs were playing. And we sneaked in and um, bought some drinks and set about uh, abusing the UK subs, shouting, shouting horrible things at them and then getting on on the stage after they'd finished and tell the telling them to the face that they were rubbish um and uh just generally being, being un, unpleasant um and the manageress of the club pam came came over and said i saw you lot sneak in you know don't don't think that you sort of pulled the wool over my eyes i just thought we were better off having uh, some drinks money rather than having nothing. He said, and you clearly don't like these, and I don't like them, and they've cost an absolute fortune, and as you see, there's hardly anybody here to see them. If you know so much, what should we be doing? I want you to help us put some gigs on. I said, well, because we're a band. She said, okay, when do you want to play? Next week. Next Friday, so a week, one week's time, uh, the hamsters, okay? And it was there, booked. Uh, so the next day, we went to Stephen's house, and Stephen had a biscuit tin. Uh, Bobby had his acoustic guitar. He bought some strings for, and I had nothing. And we, um, we'd got some pens and paper, and we wrote some songs. I think we wrote about six songs. And um, and so I played them a couple of times. Said, "Oh, you know, wow, we are great." And um, we'd got a gig in a week's time, but that was too far away. So there was a gig taking place at a youth club in Denton, in in Horton Green Youth Club, and it was organised by the local Conservative. Uh, councillor uh, Terry Kane because he promoted this gig 
for his son's punk rock group called Abdominal Pain. And uh, they were young, young, young lads. I think they were probably all about 15, 16. Um, we're all about 20, you know, so we're miles older than them. Or I'm about 20. Steve and Bob would be about 22. Um, anyway, said, let's go there and play, not thinking that anybody would um, say, no, you can't play. So we turned up, you know, and said, we're the hamsters. We've come to play. And uh, they were very reluctant to let us play. I said, listen, if you let us play, we are playing at the Mayflower next week, which was like music to their ears, you know, a proper venue with a proper PA where proper groups played. So if you let us play at Horton Green Youth Club, you can come and support us at the Mayflower. So they were very tempted, but they still insisted that we... Um, did a um what what do you call it an interview you know where where they um where we played and they decided whether whether we were good enough i forget the proper term an audition an audition we had to audition for them uh, which was fine by us because all we'd played on was a biscuit tin and an acoustic guitar and now there was a proper drum kit and an electric guitar and an amplifier and a, a microphone and we got to play we got to run through the songs that we'd written this afternoon anyway they said yes yes you're fine you can play um and so uh as was the case because they were young and they'd got lots of friends the place was absolutely packed there's probably two 200 teenagers in attendance for the hamsters first ever performance and we were playing, and um, they, they sort of found us weird, the audience, you know, because we were so much older than them. And they started spitting at us, which was uh, a sign of their appreciation. They were conditioned to believe that's what they should do because they were at a punk rock event, <laughs> spitting at us. And, uh, and, and Stephen Blessing got out from behind his, his drum trap and took the microphone and and said to them, what twat spat? And then continued to repeat it, what twat spat? What twat spat? And then as a mass, these 200 teenagers took this up as a chant, what twat spat? What twat spat? So Stephen gets behind his drum kit and starts playing along to this new song with audience participation of what twat spat? What twat spat? And there was bits of um, percussion instruments that were handed out and the kids got on the stage and they're banging things and everybody shouting, what twat spat? What twat spat? And then Terry, the Tory councillor, at some point, completely panicked. and. Um, phoned the police and uh, the police came and uh, ejected us from the stage and ejected the audience on, onto the street. And um, so our first gig ended with a, a police intervention and, uh, and a banning, uh, which was um, a portent of, of uh, things to, to come. So anyway... One, the way that we opened our set that night and the week after at the Mayflower 
was with a cover version. And that cover version was the Thunderbirds theme tune, um, which we approximated by Steve just drumming this and Bob hitting chords intermittently and me uh, singing for as long as um, we seem we felt like it. And then at the end, I would say, are you ready, Steve? Are you ready, Bob? Okay. Hamsters are go. Five, four, three, two, one. Thunderbirds are go. So we did um, we did the hamsters for about eighteen months before um, I kind of got fed up. We 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 um, we had ego clashes, um, Stephen and I in particular, as we wrestled for the soul and for the ownership of the band, for the leadership, and um, and I was probably losing. <laughs> So, so I've, I've one one day I, I simply flounced off and said I've had in, had enough. Um, I'm I'm going. Um, and it was it's, it's never wrong to 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 obey your own instincts, obviously. But I also knew that uh, although Steve and Bob didn't appreciate it, um, I was fundamental to. Um, everything that happened about the hamsters. I was um, I was by far the most sensible one for a start. Um, and so I was the one that people would talk to and and how I was the reason that we got gigs. So I knew by leaving uh, that I was condemning them to probably playing very few gigs. And that proved to be the case. In fact, they continued for three years after I left and in three years played a total of four gigs. And two of those were gigs that I passed on to them. Um, so it was a great shame because they were still very good. I went off and formed a band called The Dodos, um, which was which was really good band. Uh, I, I had um, in the band with me this guitar player called Graham Graham Ellis, who'd been in uh, a group called Elty Fitz. Um, who Carl Burns had, had been in after he'd first left the fall. And uh, and Graham was really good guitar player. He'd got this sort of funky um, tech technique. Um, and he was very exciting. He was a um, really exciting player. 
he was good. He was the first person, he was the person I wanted to be in a band with. And amazingly, I saw him uh, a few days after leaving the Hamsters and said, shall we be in a band together? And he said, yes, which was, uh, which was very fortuitous. And Graham fetched along a bass player called uh, Tim, Tim Oliver, who was fantastic. And Tim was really in a sort of his funk and early sort of dance music. And he was um, he was doing um, course in uh, studio techniques in recording, and he currently now he runs a real world studio in Bath for Peter Gabriel. Uh, he was he was a real sort of uh, things happened around him. He did a lot of work for Factory Records, a lot of engineering, better producing, produced tons and tons of stuff from Russian marching bands to uh, African tribal musicians to, you know, four pieces with guitars, famous people, not famous people, loads of stuff, loads of stuff. And he was also an original member of M People with Mike Pickering. That was the sort of thing. So that... That group was all very funky. When it sort of ran out of steam and Tim went off doing more recording, after a few weeks, I put together what seemed a bit like a continuation of the band, but but wasn't. It was markedly different. And I retained Graham and I got John, who had been in the Hamsters with me, to come and play bass, who's a much busier bass player than Tim was, and um, a drummer called Mike Prendergast, who used to write for City Fun magazine. And um, we changed the, we didn't change it, we named this band The Bears from Bellevue Zoo. I was, uh, by this point, infatuated with Northern Soul music, completely obsessed with Northern Soul music. So where the Dodos had had this sort of funk element to it, I now wanted to kind of up the the BPM and uh, beats per minute, that is. You see, I have picked up this all this jargon. Uh, I'm not going to start talking about A minors or things that with you though, because I've never picked up any of that. Um, but I, I wanted to take it in a sort of northern soul direction, and we had a horn player briefly who um, who who jumped ship because because he got a better offer. He went off playing with. Um, the Alberto Wireless Trios Paranoia. Um, I, c- I couldn't really blame him, you know. Um, so anyway, I, w- I was trying to take us in this northern soul direction, sort of very beaty, you know, boom, boom, boom thing. And one of the uh, tracks that we um, we did was a cover of a northern soul classic, one of my favourite northern soul records on, on OK, uh, the label from Chicago that um, Curtis Mayfield was uh, instrumental for a lot of uh, the stuff that went on on there. And it was by uh, Billy Butler, and it's called The Right Track. So that was one of the cover versions that we did. Um, The other cover version that I'm going to play from that period was one that we never played to the people, to the public, but um, we did rehearse several times and it just confused the players uh, because I wanted to do a Northern Soul version of uh, Leonard Cohen's The Stranger Song. Um, 
and it and it just baffled the band really. A lot of things that I did baffled the band. I remember that particular band. We were we were struggling to get gigs that I thought we were worthy of. So I said, and as a ploy, I said, what we should do is we should go when there's a band on at the Apollo, you know, or at uh, the Hacienda where people are queuing and play to the people queuing and make them listen to us. And they said, oh, great, busking. And I said, no, no, not busking. They thought it was great, you know, that we were going to busk and, and actually get some money. I said, no, no, if, if people throw money at us, we throw it back at them and tell them that we are not fucking prostitutes. <laughs> and, and we turn it into, um, I don't know, in, into an attritional <laughs> war. Um, I was full of full of um, fabulous <laughs> ideas like that. Again, the ba- it, it, it bewildered the band, um, and and they were probably right to be bewildered. But I was a little bit off my trolley at the time, to put it bluntly. So anyway, um, we're going to leave you on this episode of season two with the right track by Billy Butler and the Enchanters, although I don't think the Enchanters are credited, and Stranger Song by Leonard Cohen from the songs of Leonard Cohen, and used absolutely brilliantly in... um, What's the name of that film? You know what my memory's like if you listen to... McCabe and Mrs. Miller, used memorably in McCabe and Mrs. Miller, which is a brilliant film. Um, So on that note... Uh, I'm going to leave you. We're going to play the records and then I'm going to leave you. Um, So shall I say goodbye now or shall I say goodbye after the records? I'll say goodbye after the records. Okay.
It's true that all the men you knew were dealers who said they were through with dealing every time you gave them shelter. I know that kind of man. It's hard to hold the hand of anyone who's reaching for the sky just to surrender. Who is reaching for the sky just to surrender. And then sweeping up the jokers that he left behind, you find he did not leave you very much, not even laughter. Like any dealer, he was watching for the card that is so high and wild, he'll never need to deal another. He was just some Joseph looking for a manger. He was just some Joseph looking for a manger. And then leaning on your windowsill, he'll say one day you caused his will to weaken with your love and warmth and shelter. And then taking from his wallet an old schedule of trains, he'll say, I told you when I came I was a stranger. But now another stranger seems to want you to ignore his dreams as though they were the burden of some other. Oh, you've seen that man before, his golden arm dispatching cards, but now it's rusted from the elbow to the finger. And he wants to trade the game he plays for shelter. Yes, he wants to trade the game he knows for shelter. Oh, you hate to watch another tired man lay down his hand like he was giving up the holy game of poker. And while he talks his dreams to sleep, you notice there's a highway that is curling up like smoke above his shoulder. It's curling just like smoke above his shoulder. You tell him to come in, sit down, but something makes you turn around. The door is open, you can't close your shelter. You try the handle of the road, it opens. Do not be afraid, it's you, my love, you who are the stranger. It is you, my love, you who are the stranger. Well, I've been waiting, I was sure we'd meet between the trains we're waiting for. I think it's time to board another. Please understand, I never had a secret chart to get me to the heart of this or any other matter. Well, he talks like this, you don't know what he's after. When he speaks like this, you don't know what he's after. Let's meet tomorrow if you choose upon the shore Beneath the bridge that they are building on some endless river Then he leaves the platform for the sleeping car that's warm You realize he's only advertising one more shelter And it comes to you, he never was a stranger And you say, okay, the bridge or someplace later and then sweeping up the jokers that he left behind, you find he did not leave you very much, not even laughter. Like
like any dealer he was watching for the card that is so high and wild he'll never need to deal another he was just some joseph looking for a manger he was just some joseph looking for a manger and leaning on your windowsill he'll say one day you caused his will to weaken with your love and warmth and shelter and then taking from his wallet an old schedule of trains he'll say i told you when i came i was a stranger i told you when i came i was a stranger i told you when i came i was a stranger right uh, i'm back i hope you enjoyed those i hope you could uh, imagine leonard cohen with the northern soul beat um as promised i'm here to say goodbye um, and that's it. I hope you've enjoyed the show. Uh, I hope it's filled in a little gap. I know it, it's it's a more slender morsel than has what has been on offer. But, you know, perhaps we should start looking at slimming a little. Um, so I thank Phil, as ever, for instigating all this and uh, putting it together and putting up with me and being there on the end of the telephone. He's upside down today, and I'm upside down to him because my phone wasn't charged properly and I couldn't stand it up the right way around. So uh, we've had a very upside-down conversation, Phil and I, but I do thank him. I do, of course, send my regards to his lovely wife, Helen, with the flaming red hair, which might not be flaming red because it's so long since I've seen her. Uh, it's, a case. it's purple, I'm told. Um, but I will see her before the year is out, no doubt. Um, I do thank you all for listening and for commenting. You make it all worthwhile. Um, and I did say I was going to say goodbye. So goodbye. Well, thank you very much for that. Yet another marvellous little performance. Well, um, we've had such fun doing the flowing backwards. It's, how can I put it? It's been rather entertaining. A lot of you have enjoyed it. So this is why we've decided to continue doing what we do. Um, I'm going to add a little something at the end of it as well. I'm going to put a little thing in called, what would Tom do? Um some of you might <laughs> some of you might be a bit annoyed by it but i don't care because i'm going to have a choice of a song per episode so again flow backwards on facebook if you want to know anything or ask us anything just go on there and sort it out so from me and ian for this We've enjoyed ourselves, and I hope you have. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to play a Tom Waits song every week. And um, this week I'm going to play from Orphans, Brawlers, uh, Ballers and Bastards, which is a really, really, really excellent album. I love it to bits. Um, what keeps mankind alive? So until the next episode, thanks again for listening, and we'll see you then. Enjoy. Enjoy.
gentlemen who think you have a mission to purchase of the seven deadly sins should first sort out the basic food position then start your preaching that's where it begins your lot who preach restraint and watch your waist as well should learn for once the way the world is run however much you twist or whatever lies that you tell food is the first thing morals follow on so first make sure that those who are now starving get proper helpings when we all start carving what keeps mankind alive? What keeps mankind alive? The fact that billions are daily tortured, stifled, punished, silenced, and oppressed. Beast Jalax.